Today we're going to begin a series uh, on the five solas of the Reformation. As you know, this is the uh, first Sunday of the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. 500 years ago, 1517, Luther nailed his 95 Theses to the door in Wittenberg and the Reformation was officially launched. Now, many of you know that the Reformation started long before Luther, probably two or three hundred years before Luther. Uh, there were already stirrings within the medieval church that something was very wrong, that the church was not following the gospel the way it should be. The church had accrued incredible power and incredible wealth, and people were fairly ignorant of the Bible. They weren't able to pick up a Bible and read it. Most people were illiterate. And the Bible was not commonly available for people. Uh, printing press had not been invented, and so Bibles were very precious, handwritten and expensive. And they were kept in monasteries and churches. And of course, knowing human beings, you know how we are, uh, abuses began. And the Protestant Reformation was an a movement, an effort to correct those abuses in the medieval Roman church. So we're going to look at these five solas. Most of you are familiar with them. Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone. Sola Gratia, Grace alone. Uh, Solo Fide, Faith alone. Solus Christus, Christ alone, and soli deo gloria, to the glory of God alone. And these five solos, uh, solos which uh, most everyone is, at least in the Protestant world, is familiar with, were the foundation of the Protestant Reformation. Let me say this real quickly before we read our text, and then uh, we'll get going. Do you do you have to believe the doctrine of sola scriptura, uh, gratia, fide, Christus, soli deo gloria? Do you have to believe those doctrines in order to be saved? No, you don't. Because doctrines cannot save you, can they? What saves you? How do you get saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved, you and your household. And I want every one of you to know, thankfully, that that's how we get saved. Not by the right things we believe, and not by not believing wrong things, because every one of you believes wrong things. Only I. <laughs> no, of course not. You know I'm joking. Alright, look, we all, we all hold beliefs that are wrong. But do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in His resurrection? Do you believe that He went to the cross for you and hung there and died for you? That He took our sins on Himself? That's what you need to be saved. The doctrines are helpful. And let me say two things about doctrine very quickly. Doctrines divide. And they are meant to divide. And they are good. We want them to divide. We need to know the difference between truth and error. Yes? But they also unite. And the doctrines that unite us, unite us across the board throughout many traditions, many Christian faith traditions, many belief systems within the Christian body, the larger body. Those doctrines unite us. The Trinity, 
the virgin birth, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, the blood atonement of Christ upon the cross, all of these essential beliefs, what we would say are high in the cone of certainty. Those of you that have been through our theology courses, you know the cone of certainty. There are things that are very high in the cone. And everyone in Christendom, regardless, Protestantism, Eastern Orthodoxy, and the Roman Church, all hold to those. Now we vary on some substantial issues and we're not going to downplay those. But you need to know that before we even start. That it's very important that doctrines don't save you. They will help you in understanding your Lord better. In coming into closer communion with Him. Appreciating His amazing grace more. Creating worship where you can lift up your heart to the Lord. Knowing these things is good and important. But just knowing them is not going to do you any good. All right, so that's enough of that. Sola Scriptura in theology was called the formal principle of the Reformation or the formal foundation or even some theologians say it was the formal cause of the Reformation. Scripture alone. Scripture alone plus nothing is to be our rule for two things. In the Westminster Confession, in our catechisms, we say that the Scripture alone is our rule for faith and practice, or faith and life, what we believe and what we do. That we're to look to Scripture always for those two foundational things, what we believe and what we do, what we practice. And that a return to that in the Reformation, a, a look back to the Scripture as being sola for the Christian was the foundational or formal cause of what followed in the Reformation. So I'm going to invite you to look at 2 Timothy. We're going to look at a very familiar passage. I'm going to read it quickly. Uh, starting in uh, chapter 3, and we're going to read a few verses of for, verse 4. If you don't have your Bible, it's printed for you in your bulletin. Please use that. Now hear God's Word. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households, capture weak women burdened with sin and led astray, by various passions, always learning, never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth, just as Jannes and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind, disqualified regarding the faith, but they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, Lystra. 
which persecutions I endured, yet for them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete or competent, excuse me, equipped for every good work. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is the judge to judge the living and the dead and by His appearing and His kingdom preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. This is the Word of the Lord. Paul talks about the last days. He is... He is saying, in the last days, these things are going to happen. Now, for months, back in 2016, and then again, starting in 2015, we've gone through the book of Joel, we've gone through the book of 1 Peter, uh, we've gone through other various things, the parable of Jesus, and they're all talking about the last days. And just so very quickly to let you all know where we stand on this, the last days are those days, starting with the resurrection of our Lord Jesus and His ascension into heaven to today. And as long as it is in the future until He comes again. Those are the last days. Do not listen to the hucksters on television telling you that these are the last days. This is it. Any day now, you're going to get raptured into heaven or wherever. Because that's a lie. Every one of the biblical authors talked about the last days as being very distinct. And in the New Testament, the apostolic witness and the witness of Jesus Himself was the last days started when He ascended into the clouds and sat down on His throne and declared that He was Lord of heaven and earth. The great King. And these are the last days. And during these last days, then as Joe and Gary have been teaching us in Sunday school, the church has always had people like these people. And those are the last days. And so this morning we're going to look at three things very quickly. First of all, Paul, and this is making a case for sola scriptura. This is one of the places that the reformers went to and said we need scripture alone to be our rule of faith and practice. And so, as you look at what Paul is saying, he's saying in these last days, this period of history, until the second coming of Jesus, there will be these kinds of people, not out there, but in here. Are you listening? 
in the church. He's talking to Timothy about the conditions in the church. And folks, all you got to do is turn on your TV, and there it is. There it is, in living color, HD. And the only safeguard, so we're going to look at the people, the problem of people, the deception, then the safeguard. Paul tells Timothy there is a safeguard, Scripture. But then he goes to the sola. So we're going to look at people, the safeguard, and the sola. And uh, that's what's going to be our outline. So let's go very quickly here. The problem, people. This is verses 1 through 9. Uh, in chapter 4, 3 through 4, you can see these, these two sections where Paul talks about the problem with people. He lists, I, I counted, now you may count them differently, it depends on how you look at it and all that, but I counted 33 horrific, it's one of his longest lists, and he hammers away, I mean, if you listen to the adjectives he used, it should have caused your skin to crawl. These are the kind of people he's talking about. He's, they, they are horrific peoples. Lovers of money, lovers of themselves, conceited, arrogant, prideful, on and on and on. He just, he just rolls out. They're, they're deceptive. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. He goes on and on and on. 33 horrific characteristics. And he says, in bold, avoid them. Stay away from these people. In other words, be, be discerning in what you listen to and what you hear and what you take in. And we all know we've got to do that. Everybody knows. And then in verses 10 through 13, he talks about the, the upside-down nature of the kingdom. We've talked about this for weeks and weeks, months, actually. The upside-down nature of the kingdom. Jesus came, folks, listen, not as a warrior, not to conquer, not to accrue power. Jesus came as a farmer. Remember Mark chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 11, the sower sows the word. Not a warrior, a farmer. Not armies, not power, not political power. Seed. Not instant military victory crushing Rome and crushing the, the religious awful people. But no, He was coming to plant seed that was going to be agonizingly long growth. Last days. Centuries. Maybe two million years. I Look, I'll just tell you, this is where your pastor stands. Jesus is not coming for two million years. Okay? Are you with me? Everybody? No? Watching too much late night Christian TV? All right. Look. We don't know when he's coming. Could be two million years. Could be in the middle of the sermon. If he wants to spare you, he'll come then. Let me think about it, folks. I mean, we don't know when. Jesus didn't know. What makes you think I'm going to know or you're going to know or somebody on television is going to know? Come on. Nobody's going to know. And don't let all these earthquakes and disasters that they... Jesus said, you know what the last days are going to look like? There's going to be wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, right? That's what the last days are going to look like. And they've always looked like that. And they will always... So He's saying, don't be alarmed, don't worry. Don't live in fear. Don't hunker down and wait for you know, some rapture somewhere. Get involved in your life. Get involved in your community. Have children. Have hope. Make the world a better place. Create vaccines that will heal. 
Find ways to grow crops that will feed. Show kindness. Show love. Be salt and light. Don't worry about all that other stuff. The upside-down nature of Christianity is hard to bear, folks. We want to be in power. We want political power, and we want financial power, and we want everything like that. And that has never, never served the church well. Never. The church has always gone sideways. That's what happened in the Reformation, or days before the Reformation. It went sideways because they had power. And they had enormous wealth. And what, let me just ask you, don't raise your hand, don't answer out loud, just don't embarrass yourself, but what would you do with all the money in the world? I know what I would do. I'd leave here. Right? Now come on, I mean, we, we, we would go sideways, wouldn't we? The wisdom writers said, God, don't give me too much. Don't give me too little because if you give me too much, I'll forgive you. If you give me too little, I might steal. Give me what I need. Give me this day our daily bread. Was Jesus amazing or what? Give me this day our daily bread. Does that mean you don't save? Of course you save. You you know, wise people do wise things. But what he's saying is don't try to accrue power. The kingdom is upside down and it's hard. creates tension, and we have to live in that tension. I'm the first to admit it, folks. Paul affirms, this is what's so great about these verses, 10 through 13. Paul affirms, he says, look, Timothy, you know me. I'm a faithful follower. I'm an apostle. I'm teaching the Bible. I'm a teacher of Scripture. And then, like a loving, good teacher, like a man that really cares about his disciple, Timothy, he says, look, Timothy, Don't expect adulation. It's not going to be that way. Wake up. If you faithfully preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're going to suffer persecution. People aren't going to like your message. They want to be told you can have your best life now and all you have to do is pray and God will pave your streets with gold. I mean, come on. What is up with that? Have we lost our minds? I know I got caught up in it, and I know some of you have too, but really, Jesus was a poor man. And He said, blessed are the poor, because they know where their riches are, and they're not here. And if if you've ever suffered loss or want, lost somebody you love, you know there's no amount of money that will bring them back. Where are you going to put your treasure then? Where will you have your ultimate hope then? When the things that are really precious are ripped away from you, you will only find them in a resurrected Christ. And so that is what he's saying. The kingdom is upside down. Timothy, don't expect adulation. No, expect persecution. There's going to be evil people. They're going to abound. These imposters, in fact, they're going to go from bad to worse. And I think we've seen that. But if you listen to Joe and you listen to Gary in the the Sunday school class, you know there were bad people back then too. In the ancient church. We don't want to be a first century church. I don't want to be a first century church. I don't know about you. I don't want to go back and, and have to deal with what those poor church fathers and patriarchs had to deal with. Good night, nurse. Who wants that? 
We have our own issues, and let's address them well. The problem is these things, these characteristics, and Paul says, open your eyes, Timothy, watch out for them, avoid them, and then he says, when necessary, correct, reprove, rebuke, do what you have, fight the good fight of fate, don't let them get away with it. Don't, 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 don't minimize the doctrine, but rather raise it up. Let it divide if necessary so that you can protect people against the error and protect yourself. I'm old now. I'm going to be 63 years old next year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're saying like big deal, right? I know Ed Brodka, you all know Dear Ed, every time I would make a reference to my age, Ed would get me after church and pulled me over. And in that deep, you know, bass voice or baritone voice, he'd say, what are you talking about? You don't know what old is. He'd, and our dear brother, he would rebuke me. And he's right. But look, I got a lot of mileage on my life, more than some of you young kids. I got mileage on my life, you know. And I've been around the block. I've believed, I've believed crazy things, and I've believed good things. And I'll tell you, the crazy things that I've believed have always done me harm but when I hear the gospel and I embrace that Lord Jesus Christ that king who has nail prints in his hands like that beautiful song we sang this morning suffered for me died for me promised me that in my weakness his strength would be made perfect when I see that and I go to that I have hope Our outward man is perishing day by day, but the promise of the gospel is the inward man is being renewed. You see, that's where our treasure should be. Not in all these, not that there's anything wrong with having a good life. That's great, great, great. But when it's not there, you still have an anchor for your soul, the writer of Hebrews says, Jesus Christ. So, the kingdom is upside down. It's a dire picture that that Paul Pains for Timothy, you know, it's the way it is. You're going to have to get ready, get set. Here we go. We're going to fight a battle. It's going to last the rest of the time. This battle's going to be going on for hundreds, maybe thousands of years. Been 2,000 now. And it may be another 2 million. Just bear down, get ready, put your armor on. Let's go to war. And we're not going to put up our armor until the day that we go to be with the Lord. Yes? Somebody please say amen. I'm very insecure. You know that. So I need your... Okay, what is the safeguard? Look at at at, at f- f- starting in verse fourteen, but going on through towards the end of the ch- end of this uh, reading that we did in in chapter four, verse five. Continue what you've believed from childhood. Now look what he does. This is very important. He says the sacred ra- writings able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is breathed out by God for teaching, reproof, correction, teaching, and righteousness, so that you can be complete and equipped in every good work. He talks about the Scripture. He talks about salvation in Jesus Christ. He talks about the Scripture again. Do you see he's sandwiched between sacred writings and Scripture? Paul says, Jesus Christ and His salvation. He's tying them together in a very beautiful and literary way. Scripture is breathed out. And the Apostle Paul is saying to Timothy, what I told you a few weeks ago as we looked at the parables, build your life on that rock. What Jesus said is these words of mine. Put them into practice. 
and you will be a wise man. Now look what Paul says. Take the sacred writings because they are able to make you wise. In other words, they are the rock that you're to build your life on. Jesus Christ, the Scriptures, the Word. We'll talk about that in a moment. He charges Timothy, and I would like to make a case. I'm a Protestant, and I, I will make the case that Paul is saying, Timothy, adopt a doctrine of sola scriptura. This will protect you against all those 33 crazy things that are going to go on in your church, and in the church in general. But it will also make you wise as you trust Jesus. You see what I'm saying? Okay. I think he's charging Timothy. to believe what we call orthodoxy, correct belief, practice, orthopraxis, correct practice, correct life, and orthopathos, a, a right heart, a right motive. What we believe, what we do, and not just how we feel, but our motive, the thing that is moving us along, okay? That's what, he's, that's what he's pointing to. Let me say a word about tradition, and then I'll move on. There is nothing wrong with tradition. Uh, throughout Christian history, churches have had traditions. In the Presbyterian Church in America, our own church, we have traditions. A lot of what we do on Sunday are traditions. They are not in Scripture. And uh, we come up with these traditions, and what we try very hard to do is make sure that they don't in some way contradict the Scripture or in some way uh, influence your belief about Scripture, but rather enhance your belief. And so traditions can be very helpful. Ritual is very helpful. All those things are good. All we're saying, all the doctrine of Sola Scriptura is saying is take everything and make sure that it is measured by the Word of God. And that the Word of God has its final say. And we'll talk about why in a moment. Let me give you a couple quotes very quickly and then we'll move on to the third point. Jesus had to confront this. You know there's many scriptures. I pulled one because I just, I, I, we don't have time to read too many. But here's one. Jesus, with the Pharisees who had amazing number of traditions, Pharisees, Sadducees, Herodians, and all the other the political parties, the lawyers in his day, the theologians in his day, these, these teachers of the law and scripture, these guys knew their Bibles. Don't make no mistake about that. They were very educated and they were intensely sincere. They were not deceivers. They were good, honest people. Okay? Don't think that they were evil, that they were all conniving behind the scenes. How can we make people's lives miserable? They were truly and sincerely following God. But Jesus said this to them. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. These people honor me. He's quoting Isaiah. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and you hold to the tradition of men. And then he gives a beautiful example we don't have time to look at. But it, it was this whole idea that somehow they had let 
traditions that they had made up, the rabbis and the scholars and the teachers, to, to, to what we call fencing the Word of God, to fence the Bible and make it really impossible to break the commandments of God. But in so doing, Jesus said, you've made the Word of God of none effect through your traditions. You've subverted them. You've undermined them by your traditions. And we... The Apostle Paul telling Timothy and the church in general throughout history, the last days, we're to be on the lookout for that, even if they're here in our church. I just got back from Presbytery. We changed some things in our denomination. The constitution of our denomination was amended. Now, we would never do that to Scripture. But we changed the constitution of our church because we found something that didn't line up with the Bible and our guys throughout our country, the, the, the higher powers that be, made up this amendment. They sent it down and Dave and I both raised our hand and voted yes, right? We were there, Dave was there. The other elders couldn't go. But we were there for you. And by golly, we changed it. I'm not going to tell you what it was. None of your bees well. If you want to know, you come with me to Presbytery next time. Not a big deal. But the point is that when we find something that doesn't accord with Scripture, we bear down on it. If we need a red pencil and mark it out, we do. And that's all Paul is telling Timothy. Watch out for this. Avoid these people. They're going to make trouble for you in the church. And they have. Some of them are Presbyterians. All right, enough of that. Here's a couple quotes real quick, and we're going to finish. Tradition, this is from A.A. A. Hodge, Princeton scholar, long dead. Tradition, as intended by Paul in the couple places, Paul did speak positively of tradition in a couple of places, signifies all of his instruction, oral and written, communicated to those very people themselves, two of them in Thessalonica. Thessalonica. He was talking to those people. Keep those traditions, those things that I've passed on to you. Which clearly, now this is Hodge thinking, which clearly, knowing the Apostle Paul, clearly would have accorded with Scripture. Jesus vehemently rebuked the Pharisees uh, for doing otherwise. Ten places, by the way, where Jesus hammers, vehemently hammers against traditions that were contrary to the Word of God. Some of them Sabbath conditions where they weren't allowed to do this and that on the Sabbath and they were, they were legalizing a, a, a laws that bound people not to do certain things on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, what is wrong with you? The Sabbath was made for man so that you can rest. Man was not made to serve the Sabbath. Wake up. You, you see it. These traditions are, are binding people's conscience. They're locking them down into a law where they, you know, it's crazy. Who, who of you, he said, who of you would have an ox that falls into a pit and you wouldn't go get him out on the Sabbath? Come on. But they were not allowed to rescue some human being from a pit. That was work. But if your donkey fell in, you could get him out. Do you see how crazy? And Jesus just he, he was like made him lose his mind. And he vehemently opposed that kind of misuse. So what is the sola? What is the sola? We've already talked about it. Let me do this very quick. From childhood, he says, you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, able to make you wise for salvation through Jesus Christ. Sacred writings. Jesus Christ. 
All Scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and righteousness, that we may be complete. I charge you, preach the Word. Do you see it? Sacred writings, Jesus Christ, Scripture, preach the Word. what What is Paul telling you and me and Timothy and the church throughout the last days? Something remarkable. All Scripture. Do you know there's not one of us in this room today, you would not know one thing about Jesus Christ, not one, if it didn't come to you from here? Do you realize that? You would know very little about God if He hadn't told us about Himself. All we would know, all we would be able to do, folks, is just look up at the sky, look at the grandeur of the heavens and the beauty of the earth and the water, the rain that comes. All we would have been able to do is look out there and say, wow, there must be a creator somewhere. Romans chapter 1. There must be something out there somewhere. And maybe I should give that thing, he, she, it, them, whatever it is, maybe I should give them thanks. That's about as far as we could have gone. But where are you going to find out this? Listen, long ago, at many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom He created the world. He... Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature. He, Jesus Christ, upholds all the universe by the word of His power. And here it is. Listen. And after making purification for sins. Where did He do that? On the cross. After making purifications for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high, having become so much more superior to the angels than they, and has inherited a name that is above every name. Where are you going to find that? Only in your scriptures. Sola. Why do we say sola scriptura? Because it's solus Christus. Christ alone. Why sola scriptura? Because solus Christus. There is no other way to salvation except through Jesus. Amen. Yes. I mean, do you see it? Let everything else conform to that and fine, we're happy. Let's have traditions. Let's do them all. But if they don't agree, take the red pencil. Strike them out because it's sola. Jesus, sola. The Word of God. The beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Verse 14 of John, we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth. Do you see it? Let's pray. Father, how we thank You. Solus Christus. Christ alone. And how would we ever know Him but through the Scriptures?
Father, help us. Save us. Have mercy on us, please. And protect us from unbelief and especially from fear. Let us stand fast in the great King and feed upon Him in our hearts by faith. Amen.